At this time, uh, we have our, our missionaries of the month are not on the mission field. Well, they actually are. They're actually doing a lot of ministry uh, via the internet because they, their primary field of ministry has been in Myanmar. How many know it's kind of a war-torn country right now? And uh, they're actually uh, doing ministry through uh, literature in 22 different countries. Is that right? Okay. And I'm going to let Jim and Calvin come and give us an update on what's happening in their lives. So let's welcome them. You need a microphone. You walk by it. Thank you. I walked right by it. Woo. Well, welcome, church. It's good to see you. It's good to be out here again. And Pastor Paul and Patty, it's been good to uh, stay in our hotel. Uh, they do pretty good at feeding us and looking after us. And we're grateful for that. I, again, as was announced, I'm James. My wife, Cohen. Do you want to stand up from Myanmar? And uh, we're with Project Lambs International. And we've been doing a ministry uh, for about 25 years. I've been a pastor for 25 years, and then I've been a missionary for 25 years. And so uh, we've been all over the world, and just thank God. But today I just want to quickly focus on, I brought a little coin along with me. I don't know if you can see it. And I want to talk about this coin just for a brief second, because on one side of the coin it reminds me of discipleship, and on the other side of the coin it reminds me of evangelism. And they're of the same coin. And that's what we've been doing with Project Lambs International, is not only discipling people, but also in the recent years doing evangelism in all these countries. During COVID, for most people, things kind of shrunk. Ours exploded in size through the internet and things like that. And so what we've been doing is basically providing discipleship tools and evangelistic tools. And in the last year and a half, we've been uh, preparing... Uh, little booklets for evangelism that you can see in the table back there where people can have a tool to go out. There's six of them and various topics where people can take them. And if you happen to be a, a young person or a child or a, a senior and you need coloring books, there's matching coloring books that go with it. Uh, some of these evangelistic tools have been going into churches, on, into uh, street ministries, into youth ministries all over the place. And uh, God raised up this idea of these tools while we were in lockdown in Thailand and uh, God laid it on our heart to do that and bring up, brought us an artist and, and since that year, almost two years now, over 340,000 booklets have gone out and they're now in uh, 17 different languages. I keep, they keep growing all the time what's going on and so we just thank God but in the and the interesting part about that, when you do evangelism and you're reaching out, and again, we have them so they're in bags. You can, if you're a truck driver and you're using a washroom all the time on the, on the highway, they're in a bag so you can hang them on the back of the door. And uh, those, we got them in different languages. We give away a lot of them to McDonald's. Uh, A&W and other restaurants, <laughs> just people inside as soon as we see them. You know, if you're prepared for an opportunity and, and you prepared for it, God will give you an opportunity to share Christ. If you don't prepare for it, you won't have that opportunity. And so we've been uh, also ministering a lot in Ukraine. Uh, God has been blessing as we continue to produce materials over there in the country of Ukraine. So we have a big vision. We have a big goal of producing more, 
and using these tools. And as I say, when people get uh, saved, then they want to know more about Jesus Christ. And so then we can provide them tools for discipleship. And that's why the two sides of the coin. And so we just want to thank uh, Pastor Paul and, and the leadership here and you as a local church have supported us for many years that we can do it together as a team to be able to put tools into people's hands, to be able to teach classes through the internet and to proclaim Jesus Christ around the world. It's amazing what you can do nowadays. And so if you get a chance to come on back to the back table, as I say, we got booklets back there. They're, they're free that you can have them, take them along. Uh, if you're wanting to have some other materials for discipleship, talk to us about that. And also continue to pray for us because right now we've got big needs, big vision, and, and are excited about what God lays ahead. And if you want to team up with us, not only in uh, prayer, but you've got about 100,000 of these, uh, you can drop them off too, okay? Anyone got 100,000? Well, anyway, we bless you. Thank you for having us. And uh, if we get a chance just to share with you, continue to pray for Myanmar. We're in war right now in our home city. It's, there are lots of bombs, explosions. One of our pastors was uh, shot last week or a couple weeks ago, and he survived. Uh, a lot of tragic things that are going on. I know we hear a lot about Ukraine, but also remember to pray for Myanmar because things are really going downhill there too. And so, but the Lord has opened up doors. We're able to get, still get materials in and to be able to work with the people there. So God bless you, Pastor. Thanks for having us. And uh, come on back and see us at the table and let's connect together. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay, why don't we stand as we're going to pray for our missionaries and uh, we're grateful they're doing a great work. I've known Jim and I've known Colwyn for a long time now. And uh, we have very, very good missionaries and they, they put their lives on the line. You can hear that, you know. This pastor wasn't shot at because he was a target. Somebody was shooting at another place and they came through the house and got him. So, I mean, it's not, there's a lot of places in our world are not even safe to live in. So let's pray for these parts of the world and we'll pray for you as well. Lord, we thank you this morning that to help people come to know you, to become a follower of you, Jesus. That's our responsibility. We're to make disciples. That means we're to go out and lead them to you, introduce them to you, and eventually help them understand what that means and how to follow you. It's all part of a process. And I thank you that Jim and Calwen are involved in that process, that you've given them creativity, wisdom, and you're giving them the resources. And Lord, I pray that you'd watch over them, protect them, and not just them, all of our missionaries that we're supporting, Father. We pray today also that you would open up the eyes of our understanding. As we hear your word this morning, may the spirit of the living God speak into our innermost being and that we, Lord, would hear words of instruction, words of comfort, and words of challenge. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. 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 You may be seated. How many realize that the pace of life seems to be speeding up? Anybody here? And it's ironic to me that with all of the technology that we have, it's actually instead of, you know, as an aid to making our lives easier, I think sometimes it's made it more complex and more challenging and it seems to speed things up for us. And we're all, we're all panting, you know. It's almost like we're living in an age of anxiety. And so for those who are already struggling with anxiety, maybe we'll talk about anxiety, we're gonna talk about worry today. 
I want to speak about moving from worry to a genuine peace of mind. Anybody would like to say, I would like to lay down some of the things that are troubling my soul right now. I'd like to put those aside. I'd like to come to a place where I really discover what Jesus said, my peace I give you. And we want to receive that peace this morning. We want to leave this place knowing the peace of God. Jesus promised us an amazing thing. In spite of all that's happening in our world, we could talk about you know, a worldwide pandemic. We could talk about the possibility of war extending all across our globe. It happened prior in another generation. World War II had almost every nation involved in conflict. You know, there was troubles all around. And now we, we think about the escalating costs of goods and services. We're talking about supply chains. We're talking about this and that and the other thing. And so I can understand why it creates a level of anxious thought. But Jesus himself said that he could promise to us joy and peace in life's most trying situations. Jesus didn't say, I'm gonna deliver you from problems. He never promised that. He never promised us a hassle-free existence. We all want that, but he didn't promise that. What he said to you, in the world you'll have trouble. But he said, be of good cheer, for I, I, I'm, I've, I'm, I've come into this world and I'm promising you a peace that will sustain you in life's most difficult and challenging moments. And that's what we need to receive today to, to be able to live in a healthy way. You know, as I was thinking about uh, worry and anxiety, there is a difference. And so I kind of looked it up. I wanted to see, you know, they are interchangeable in some ways in our mind, but there's a distinct difference. So I wanted to look it up. And I, I went online and I saw something from uh, the Henry uh, Ford Health. Uh, they posted a blog about the differences, five key differences between worry and anxiety. And this is what they wrote. It says, worry tends to reside in our minds while anxiety affects both mind and body. So it, it extends a little deeper. It says worry is very specific. You can actually fixate on something and you can actually be worried about a specific thing. But he says, anxiety seems very vague. As a matter of fact, you're unable to pinpoint what's really troubling you. There just seems to be this angst in your soul and you can't identify. Number three, worry is grounded in a measure of reality and can motivate at times a proper response. Whereas anxiety causes almost a catastrophic thinking that's not realistic. We know you kind of, you know, and, and a lot of times it leads to panic attacks. It becomes obsessive. Well, those are pretty significant expressions that we're dealing with in our society today. Number four, worry is usually short-term, whereas anxiety persists and causes a person to stop functioning in a healthy way. So you can see the severity of it. And finally, worry doesn't impair function, whereas anxiety does. So these are, these are things that, you know, and I think we're, you know, we have a medical model today and we love analyzing things. I mean, we all like to look at it. But what I found interesting was I started, I continued reading the article and the health professionals made some suggestions on how to address some of these things. And it really, it really I thought, wow, this is really amazing to me. I'll tell you what they said. They said, you need to turn off the news. That was the first thing. So I, I just wrote down here, maybe we need to stop feeding our minds negative input from media. Okay, step one. Now, you know, I don't think it's wrong to have an awareness of what's happening in the world. I think you can look at the headlines or whatever, and if there's something that interests you, that's... But you know, some of us are camped on negativity. And we're gonna find out in a moment, that's probably not a healthy thing to do, and that's probably triggering some levels of anxiety in our lives. 
As a matter of fact, they went on to say that we have to deal with the negative thoughts and emotions that we're experiencing. And I thought, wow, you guys have really finally caught up to Jesus and Paul. They were talking about this stuff 2,000 years ago. And they were saying the exact same things. As a matter of fact, uh, from a biblical point of view, Paul said this, we, we have to, number one, renew our minds. How many know that the biggest problem you and I are dealing with today is not what's happening around us, it's what's happening in us? Step one, what's my mind like? Is my mind in a healthy place? Is my mind being renewed? And then Paul goes on to tell us, it says, be anxious for nothing. That suggests to me that anxiety is an issue, that you and I will have moments of anxiety. You and I will have moments of deep uh, uh, worry that comes into our lives. But he says, here's an antidote to it. He says, rather than fixating on that, he said, bring your request to God with prayer and thanksgiving. And let your request be made known to God. And he says, and the peace of God. See, when you have peace with God, you can have the peace of God, which will, it says, will guard your hearts and minds. How many say, you know what? I need something to guard my negativity. Anybody here say, I probably need a wall around my thinking to guard my negativity. And then the peace of God will guard your heart and mind and you'll have the peace that passes all understanding. Yeah, actually, what many people will be succumbing to anxiety and worry, you will be free from anxiety and worry. Then Paul doesn't stop there though. See, that's where a lot of us wanna stop. But look what he says in verse eight. He says, now I want you to think about certain things. You see, I think there's a law of displacement. When you and I get rid of something, we gotta take something else in. Otherwise, it just fills back in with the same old stuff. How many know, I, you know, I, I do a little research. I took a course on the brain. And what happens is we have these pathways in our minds that they just keep repeating. That's why we do a lot of habitual things. And a lot of times we don't even realize that we just default to negativity, wrong thinking. He says, rather, he says, I want you to think. This is actually gonna cause you to do something active. You have to think on things that are true. Can I ask a question? Today, where do you find truth? That's a good question because everybody seems to think they have the truth. But I can tell you one thing, the scriptures are true. These have, these have lasted over 2,000 years and they actually, the reality is it's true and it works, it's practical. So when I'm thinking about the word of God, if I start focusing on that, it changes my outlook. I start to see through a different lens. And if you were here last Sunday, I talked about how David met a giant when everybody else was living in fear. And I said the reason why they couldn't function was because they were living in fear. They were looking at themselves and their own inabilities and liabilities when they saw this huge giant intimidating them. They became paralyzed. David comes on the scene and he's from a different perspective. He's been out in the fields worshiping God. And I talked last week about how profound it is when we start praising God, we begin to connect with God. God, we start having a relationship with God, and we see life from that perspective. David comes on the scene, and what he hears is this giant defying God. So as far as David was concerned, he could just run right out there and defeat the giant because he knew that the giant was God's enemies and not his enemies.
enemy. And he was able to defeat the giant. And I suggested to us, if you and I would begin to have these kind of thoughts, praising, worshiping, delighting, focusing on what's true, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, as we're locked into that world in our minds, the giants that come into our lives do not paralyze us. But you and I can actually address those things in the right way. And sometimes we can't change everything around us, but you and I can certainly not allow them to define us. And that's powerful. So one of the most fundamental areas I think that creates uh, struggle in our minds is financial pressure. And if you were to you know, work with couples after a while, you'll find out that finances is one of the biggest areas of conflict in marriage. How many say that's probably true? You know, we have a different value system we struggle with. Sometimes we feel we don't have enough resources trying to figure out how to make ends meet. You know, now we're in an inflationary period. It's gonna get more challenging. How many notice that? It's costing more to live. Everybody recognizes that. And so Jesus wants to speak to us on this very fundamental issue. Now, I believe that there is a good worry too. There is a healthy, we're gonna move the word from worry to concern. What's the difference between healthy concern and worry? Don't you think we need to define that? I like what Kent Hughes says. Um, he goes on and says it this way. Oh, yeah, there is a type of good worry, or perhaps I should say good concern, that all healthy Christians have. For example, Luther said we are to be anxious about the spiritual well-being of others. And he points to a text like 2 Corinthians 11, 28 and 29 when he said, besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. So that's a healthy concern. We should have, you know what, if we're, we're not to be indifferent to people. We have to have a concern for them. But then he says, who is weak and I do not feel weak? You know, when you and I enter into other people's sorrows, we find ourselves weeping with those that are weeping. And the scriptures teach that. That's healthy, folks. That is a good thing. Who is led into sin and I do not burn inwardly? What's Paul mean by that? He said, when I see people succumb to sin, he says, it, it breaks my heart. He says, it grieves my soul. That's, a, that's okay to be like that. We should feel that way. You know, we should be feeling like, wow, that's, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna redouble my prayer effort for that person. I'm gonna, you know, ask God to intervene. I'm gonna ask God to show me things that I might be able to do to help that individual. Those are good things. You know, we should also be concerned about the state of our hearts and the incessant temptations to sin. How many know we have to be concerned about those things? And we need to take action. I mean, you know, we can sit down and say, you know, I just keep doing the same things over and over again. Well, then maybe you need to change your pattern. You know, maybe there's some changes that need to be made. And you know, one of them right off the bat is I would say to most of us, if we don't have a daily devotional life, if we don't spend time reading the Bible every day, we need to get into that habit. I'm gonna tell you, that's the number one thing that will change your mind. It'll change the way you see life. You'll develop a biblical worldview. You'll begin to see things through God's lens. It will encourage you. You know, I'm amazed every day. I get there and I'm reading the Bible and all of a sudden something sticks out to me and then during the day, I'm able to use what God has spoken into my soul during my day. I'm feeding my own soul every single day. How important is that? And then there's the care and concern that's inherent in any serious work for God. You know, where to think, plan, anticipate any pitfalls. Jesus talks about planning. So, you know, one of the reasons why people get anxious, let's, let's take an exam, for example. Why do young people get anxious over a test? Because they're not prepared. 
That's one of the greatest reasons for anxiety. So how many know that if you prepare yourself and you study and do your best, uh, I've been a student most of my life, and I'll tell you what, I never burnt the midnight oil. That's gonna shock a lot of people. I did relatively well in school. You say, well, why was that? Because I went to school every day, took extensive notes, you know, and paid attention. And then when I studied, I actually created little study cards. I, I brought everything down into a synopsis of what I needed to know so that if it was, you know, multiple questions or write an essay, it didn't matter because I knew the material. That doesn't, doesn't throw you off. How many are following what I'm saying? I had a plan and I was prepared. I would argue that people who don't have plans live with a lot of anxiety because they don't know what the future holds. I think you and I need to say, God, help me to develop a right kind of plan to address whatever the issue I'm dealing with and sit down and write it out and make it realistic. You know, sometimes we're too ambitious in our plans and then to hold it loosely. Here's my plan, God, but you know what? You determine. See, it says man plans in Proverbs, but God is the one who determines. So I'm trusting in you, but I do have a plan. And people who have plans generally achieve them. This is gonna be shocking to some people. You know, some people go, well, how do you do what you do? I plan for it, little by little. If you chip away, I'm, you know, I, my attitude is, even if you're the worst golfer in the ball, if you hit the ball enough times without losing it, you can finally put it in the hole. <laughs> how many know that's true? And what I'm saying to all of us in this room is, if you guys just keep at it long enough, you're gonna get there. But most of us, what we do is we get anxious and uptight about things rather than just chip away at it and uh, kind of you know, plan and space things out so we can actually make those things become a reality. So let's take a look here. Jesus is speaking three reasons why you and I need not worry. And I love this. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, the first one is that life consists of more than our temporal needs. Reason number one. How many know we often fall into a trap that we get anxious about how we're gonna make you know, ends meet or how we're gonna make a living or how we're gonna provide for our family. And you know, we've all been there. You know, I've been there, I, you know, I raised a family. I have grandkids now, I've gone through this. I did, you know, Patty didn't always work. We had a one income family, that was a choice we made. Patty at times homeschooled. We did a lot of different things and we decided to live on less. and We lived a simpler life. I'm gonna just say something to all of us in this room. Simplicity breeds freedom. A lot of our anxiety is because we have a lot of things we're taking care of, and they actually control us. We're not controlling them, they're controlling us. So I'm gonna just share a little thought. We don't, th you know all the things we think we need? We probably don't need most of them. That's a shocking statement to most of us North Americans, but it's probably true. So I'm telling you, you're being anxious for a lot of things you need not be. Number one. Number two, we, we can, we can the, I think probably one of the main reasons why people uh, try to do all these things and acquire all of these things is we're looking for significance in our life. And the reality is you and I are significant. You're significant because you were made in the image of God and that God had a design and purpose. And everyone in this room, God has a reason for why he created you. You know, I know there's a little movie called Ants. Some of you probably seen it. And there's a scene in it where the main character, Z, is lying on the leaf talking to his therapist. You might, if you've ever seen the movie, I love it. He says, all my life I've lived and worked in a big city. I've always told myself there's gotta be something better out there. Maybe I think too much. I think everything must go back to the fact that I had a very anxious childhood. My mother never had time for me. Well, when you're the middle child in a family of five million, you don't get any attention. <laughs> I mean, how is it possible? 
I always had these abandonment issues, which plagued me. My father was basically a drone. Like I said, the guy flew away when I was just a larvae. And my job, don't get me started on it because it really annoys me. I'm not cut out to be a worker. I feel physically inadequate. Are we getting a, you know, the humor in this little cartoon, you know, element is so amazing because these are all the languages we're using today. Somebody picked up on that, right? My whole life, I've never been able to lift more than 10 times my own weight. And when you get right down to it, handling dirt is not my idea of a rewarding career. I mean, what is it? I'm supposed to do everything for the colony? What about my needs? What about me? I mean, I've got to believe there's more, there's, there's, there's something out there that's better than this. Otherwise, I think I'd just curl up like a larvae and weep. The whole system makes me feel insignificant. And then I, I, I kind of cut in here and I just say, that's what most people feel like today, trapped, trying to make ends meet. And if we don't have a compelling purpose that transcends this world, and if we're living as just one more purpose keeping the system going, then despair can easily overwhelm us. The response of the therapist in the movie reveals the sense of futility most live within our society because we don't have a compelling vision that literally gets us beyond this world. And you know what's neat about being a follower of Christ? You and I are living for a higher reason. We're living for a greater purpose. We're living with more than just this life in mind. We're living for eternity, and it's amazing. So now the therapist kicks back in. We'll go back to the movie. Excellent. You've made a real breakthrough, Z. I have? Yes. You are insignificant. <laughs> well, folks, that's not God's message. You know, listen to what the psalmist says. What is man? What is a human being that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. And you know, I said this last week and I'll say it again. Imagine for a minute, we are one of seven billion people and God is interested in you as a person. Every time you and I open up our hearts to him and commune with him, God says, I'm listening. I care about you. And every time those prayers are being answered, it reveals to us how important we really are to our heavenly father. Isn't that amazing? Well, then the sheen shifts back to the movie here. Millions of worker ants are shown all doing the same work. Elaborate network of tunnels used by endless lines of ants carrying pieces of dirt. In one area, newborn ants are assigned their lot in life. In one assembly line, newborn ants labeled worker and given a pickaxe. The next one's labeled soldier and given a military helmet. As he goes back to his workstation, he says to himself, okay, I've just got to keep a positive attitude, a good attitude, even though I'm utterly insignificant. I'm insignificant with attitude. I think there's a lot of people out there that are insignificant. They feel that way with an attitude. And what I'm here to say to you is that you're significant in the eyes of Almighty God. And you don't need a bad attitude. We need a good attitude. That's what's important. Listen to what Jesus says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about life. Jesus is telling me, don't worry. But he's not going to say, be happy. He's going to say, trust me. Big difference. And I think when we trust him, we will get happy. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or about your body, what you're going to wear. Is not life more important than food and all that the body and the body more important than clothes? So do not worry. Anybody get a sense he's repeating himself? What's the main line here? Do not worry. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your father, heavenly Father knows that you, what? So God knows my needs. God knows your needs. Let me say, that's pretty good. You should write this down. God knows my needs. 
He's telling me, don't worry about it. I've got you. I've got your needs. Then he tells me, but here's what you need to focus on. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all the other things will be given to you as well. So God says, here's the priority. I believe that, you know, people talk to me, go, Pastor, I don't have time to do this or I don't have time to do that. What you're telling me is that's not my priority. We have to evaluate how we're spending our time because time is a gift that God gives to each one of us. We all have the same amount, in a sense, per week. Now, some people's lives may last a lot longer, but what we need to evaluate in our lives is how am I spending the most precious commodity called time? And do I have the right priority? Am I putting God's kingdom first? That's a great question. I think it's one every one of us needs to ask. Then uh, D.A. Carson says, Jesus has been minimizing the ultimate significance of material possessions. He had just warned his hearers earlier that you can't serve God in money. And no doubt not a few among his hearers find themselves wondering, yeah, but what about necessities? You see how our mind works? Yeah, but that's good, you know. Thank you, Jesus. But what about eating, you know? And a lot of poor people here. It's all very well to turn your back on wealth when you're rich, but I've got a wife and kids, and I can barely provide them with food, clothing, and shelter. What are you saying to me, Jesus? This is great. I love this. In effect, Jesus answers that just as earthly possessions can become an idol which dethrones God by becoming disproportionately important, so also can earthly needs become a source of worry which also dethrones God by fostering a lack of trust. That's a very powerful statement. Is God truly the Lord? And am I truly trusting him? Am I worshiping him? Is he the focus of my life? Do I believe that he is God and he can take care of my needs? Well, the God that I serve can. A lot of people, their God doesn't. I don't know, they're just worried all the time. I'm going, why? You just need to know God better. How many go, if I'm struggling with worry, maybe one of the issues is I need to know God better. I'm throwing that out there. I don't like that thought, Pastor. I'm a worry wart. Well, I'm telling you, try trusting. Try praying. You know, why do we have three days of prayer and fasting? Every so often. We do this three times a year. Why do I do this to you? Why do I do this to me? Because I believe we all need a spiritual checkup. We all need to come in just like our vehicles need an oil change or we need to go to the doctor you know, once in a while and take, make sure everything's functioning. I think we need to take an evaluation going, what am I doing? Am I really trusting God or have I got caught up in the rat race? Have I lost a sense of the right plan and the right vision for my life or am I just running like that little gerbil in the cage, spinning around in circles, you know, going 100 miles an hour, just can't seem to get off? Maybe I need to tell time out. I got to stop. God, where am I in all of this? And you know, I believe God can actually refresh you and renew you and re-strengthen you and reprioritize you. And then you can leave and go, wow, I finally got my head screwed back on. I kind of got off track. Is it easy to get off track in our fast-paced world? The answer is absolutely. So we got to call time out. You know, I think so often we're challenged uh, not to live as unbelievers uh, who pursue after the temporal things of life because they're blinded to eternal spiritual realities. Their key to overcoming worries to have a greater faith in God and a greater goal in life. I think that's true even for believers, but I wrote that. 
I think that's true for all of us. C.S. Lewis says the glory of God and our only means to glorify him, the salvation of human souls is the real business of life. And I'm gonna just say this, that you know sometimes as the church we can get busy doing a lot of things, but this is what Jesus said. Now guys, when you go out, I got an assignment for it. This is the only thing that matters. Make disciples. Now, we go, yeah, that's our job. Yeah, yeah, church's got to make disciples. No, no, let me stop. Every one of us in this room, we're going to come before heaven. Jesus is going to say, did you make a disciple? Were you busy making disciples? Because you are the church. See, I think we think of the church as the institution, the building. I don't know, the pastor, that's his job, make disciples. No, no, every believer's task is to be busy making a disciple. You know what I've discovered? As believers get older, they get, some of them get really beautiful and a lot of them get old and cranky. I've been a pastor for 40 years. I can say this now. I'm watching this. And I say the only way to stop being old and cranky is to lead someone to Jesus and disciple them. And you're gonna have a, a new season of renewal in your life because you're gonna go, oh yeah, I remember back when I was like that. How exciting is this? This is what it's all about. So you have to have new believers in your life. It, it, really, it really does something for your soul. You know, it's interesting, Billy Graham shares a story of the, nearly, well, it was over 200 years ago, two Scottish brothers named John and David decided to go in different directions. See, John set his mind on making money and became wealthy, and actually he did. He became very wealthy. David, on the other hand, simply decided to give his life to Christ and do whatever he asked. So in the Encyclopedia Britannica, John Livingstone is simply listed as the brother of David Livingston, the guy that really gave his life to Christ. Because David Livingston surrendered himself to Christ and says, I will place no value on anything I have or possess unless it's in relationship to the kingdom of God. Do you know where he's buried today, David Livingston? In Westminster Abbey. And you know what's on his inscription? For 30 years, his life was spent in an unwearied effort to evangelize. He went to Africa when no one else did. It's an amazing story. Probably can read about it. On his 59th birthday, David Livingston wrote, my Jesus, my King, my life, my all. Again, I dedicate my whole self to you. Well, the second reason we should not worry is that God places a high value on our lives. You know, do you know how important you are to God? I'm gonna tell you here. Listen to what he says. By using the illustration of the birds and the bees, right? You, you thought it was another lecture, but Jesus was gonna talk about the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees, okay? So Jesus uses an argument from the lesser to the greater as he's describing the necessities of life. It says, look at the birds, of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? See the greater than lesser? He says, if God can take care of the birds and they're of value to him, why wouldn't he take care of you who in God's mind is of greater value? Why are human beings of greater value? Because you and I are the crowning glory of his, his creation. You and I were made in his very image. God is very invested in human beings, okay? Next verse. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? 
They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And yet, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? And then what does he say? This is Jesus talking, not the pastor. Oh, you of what? Oh, you of what? Oh, you of what? Little faith. We're not trusting. That's why we're worrying. Come on now. We got to own up. Okay, Lord, I'm sorry. I have to admit, I'm not trusting you the way I should be. I've been letting worry creep in here. I'm not bringing my needs to you. God says, hey, I care about you. I want you to come to me. So he begins by pointing to God's provisions for the birds. Ken Hughes says, but what Jesus did not mean needs to be said too. He was not calling us to laziness or indolence. Birds themselves instinctively make provision for the future. As a matter of fact, some would argue that no creature works harder than birds. Neither does the example of birds teach us that if we trust God every day is smooth sailing. Because how many know not every bird makes it? Uh, As a matter of fact, we read sparrows sometimes starve. And sometimes they're eaten by predators. And certainly they all die in a short span. So what is he saying? He says, generally speaking, there's a lot of birds that are surviving. That's what he's saying to us. Because, you know, sometimes we get so, we're so funny as human beings. Yeah, but look at that bird. He didn't make it. I guess God didn't take care of him, right? Oh, you know. No, it's, it's an argument from the leaser to the greater. God is basically saying, look, I'm, I'm taking care of all of my creation. Yeah, there's birds that die. I get that. But generally speaking, we live near a lot of trees. I have a nice hedge, and I think it's the uh, Hilton for all the sparrows in the neighborhood. And I'm telling you, they're there singing all the time. And Patty's now really accentuating it by her and my neighbor. They're feeding on both sides of that hedge. So it's, they've really moved in, you know. <clears throat> I like what Jesus uh, is basically telling us here about these sparrows. Well, this is the one, I like this little poem. It's from the... Uh, what is it, from the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. That's kind of a cute little poem. I think it gets the message across. The second illustration Jesus uses is wildflowers. And he's pointing to these wildflowers. And Jesus uh, basically is giving us this assurance, this high assurance. Oh, let me go back here. I don't want to. Uh, many of us have heard the story of uh, Sherlock Holmes. And in one of his uh, stories there, he shares how uh, Sherlock Holmes and, and Dr. Is it doc, yeah, Dr. Watson, he's looking at Sherlock Holmes, and Sherlock Holmes holding a rose, okay? And he says to Dr. Watson, he says, you know, our highest assurance of the goodness of providence, he called them, but the highest assurance of God's care. Seems to me to rest in the flowers. Of all other things, our powers, our desires, our food are really necessary for our existence in the first instance. But this rose is an extra. Its smell and its color are an embellishment of life, and it's not a condition of it. In other words, it's saying God's doing something, you know, he's bonusing us, right? It's only goodness which gives extras, and so I can say it again that we have much to hope for from flowers. Well, that's a beautiful thought. Flowers' greatest value is that they're here saying that God isn't just going to take care of you. He's going to really take care of you. Let me move on to the third point. And it's simply there are no positive benefits to worry. Okay? 
We have to be told that. How many know, how many here have ever had, and you know, I'm gonna confess, my hand is up. So I'm the first one up. What are you gonna confess to, Pastor? I've had some sleepless nights. <laughs> Anybody besides me will admit you've had a few sleepless nights? Okay. Isn't that a drag? How many go, and you know, sometimes I go, I didn't even think I was worried. Must have been, it has to be inside there somewhere, right? It's really hard to say, you know, I'm perfect. I never, I never worry. God goes, yeah, right. Remember that night you stay, oh yeah, yeah. You know, come on. We have to, we have to, he's pointing out to us, listen. You know, we, it, 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 it just suggests to me that we're saying, God, I don't even know if you care about me. So when I have those nights, I just do more praying. I, I figure, okay, I'm not supposed to worry. I'll just pray. And I pray. God says, good. I finally got you praying. You know, maybe that's what it takes to get you going. I don't know. Jesus points out that worry doesn't really help us. It's actually, worry is a subtraction, not an addition. Listen to what he says. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to his life? Well, what's the answer? It's a rhetorical question. What's the answer? No. Actually, this morning when I was in my devotional time, I'm reading Job chapter 14, verse five, it says that a person's days are determined by God. You can worry all you want to. God goes, no, nope, this is the last day. You know, I wrote that down. Okay, now that, that, there's, there's good news and bad news by this. There's a day that you're coming, your, your earthly journey's coming to an end. But until then, let's just enjoy it as much as possible, right? You know, we're here for a reason, guys. As long as I've got breath, I want to move the kingdom of God forward. I want to be a positive influence in the society. Don't you want to join me in that journey? It's a lot of fun. Let's do it, you know? He says, don't. Then he goes on, he concludes this chapter. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. That's a lot of our problem. He says, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So I have a little theory. I'll give you my theory. Every day God says, okay, I'm gonna give you just enough grace for today. Okay? Yeah, but Lord, there's a big problem coming up tomorrow. Yeah, don't worry about that. I'm gonna give you extra grace tomorrow to handle that. Okay? So whatever amount of grace you need for each day, God measures it out. But you know what we tend to do? We tend to go, I'm trying to borrow tomorrow's problems and I'm sucking up all the grace and I'm running into empty today because I'm worried about tomorrow when God goes, no, yeah, but I've got grace for that. I've got extra grace for that tomorrow because sometimes we know what's coming up. So I like what Corey Ten Boom, she, you know, who, she was a Nazi survivor, Nazi concentration camp survivor. She says, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. How many know that's true? It's not gonna do you any good, don't worry. So how should we live? If life consists of more than just temporal needs, we realize we're valuable to God and worry's not healthy and just paralyzes our life. How many can say, I can see all of that. Then what? Trust God, you know? So instead of singing this song, don't worry, be happy, we need to write one. We need to have a Christian musical person come up and come up with a song, don't worry, trust God, however they're gonna sing it and the lyrics. But that's the message that needs to be communicated, right? Uh, 
We need to believe that God will take care of us. Can God take care of you? You know, I was a little kid. I never used to worry about anything. Mom and dad will take care of it. I didn't come and go, what are we, I used to come, what are we eating? I didn't worry about where it came from. How many, when you were real little, you weren't even thinking about that? <clears throat> Another confession. You know, my, you know, back in the day, they would actually deliver bread. Anybody remember that? Bakery guys would come along. This is, I, I was spoiled. We were living in a metropolitan area, greater Vancouver, delivering bread. But they didn't just deliver bread, they deliver donuts. So I would go home, I'd go, Mom, the bread guy's here, can we get some donuts, right? I'm just telling you, that's how kids are. We don't worry about how much it cost. Maybe that wasn't the best thing to eat. I didn't worry about any of that stuff. I just knew I liked donuts. When we're kids, you know, there's something about just being childlike with God and saying, Lord, you know, a lot of times I say, I don't deserve this. I'm not coming because I deserve it. I'm just gonna ask you anyways. And Patty used to say to me, I can't believe you're asking God. I said, all he can say is no. <laughs> and then every once in a while we'd get something I'm asking. She goes, how'd you get that? I asked. <laughs> the focus that will give us significance and a meaning to his life, it's stated so powerfully, put God's kingdom first. Amen? His righteousness, knowing that God will take care of our temporal needs. Well, why don't we stand as we close the service this morning? <clears throat> you know, some people asked me on Wednesday night, they said, you know, we're gonna do this prayer and fasting. They're new to our church. They go, I have no idea about fasting, Pastor. We wrote a brochure. I, bore, I, I actually did the work, but there's a brochure in the information center. It talks about, you know, why should we fast? What's the significance? What's the meaning behind it? and how to go about doing it so you don't hurt yourself. How's that? Is that good points? Okay. <clears throat> and I'm not telling you you have to fast all three days. You can fast a meal. Okay? Or, you know, some people go, well, I, you know, I have health issues, Pastor. I have to eat something. I said, yeah, go ahead and eat. How about fasting the news for three days? That might diminish worry a little bit. Or, you know, fast watching your favorite shows for three days. Or, you know, do something different. But take this time to set it apart. You know, join us in the evening services and come and pray with your fellow believers. Take a moment and say, I want to restructure, reprioritize, reevaluate my life. Might be a good thing to do. Might set you on a whole new track with God. Your planning might even change. <clears throat> you might get that little gerbil. You might just get off that wheel. And all of a sudden, you know what? All of the concerns that you have, you can, you can bottle it up and worry about it, or you can come and we'll pray about it. We'll bring it to God together. We'll cry together. And then when God answers, we'll laugh together and rejoice together. Isn't that what it's all about? Of course it is. So with every head bowed, how many here say, you know, Pastor, this is such a timely message for me. I have allowed worry and anxiety to just come flooding into my life. And I wanna pray with you right now. I empathize. I've had those moments feeling like life was overwhelming me. So I'm not here to you know, put you down. I understand and I believe God understands, but we can cast our cares on him because he does care for us.
And I want to pray with you today. So if you're here this morning, just with an uplifted hand, say, you know what? There's things in my heart and mind that are weighing. Just let's keep our hands up. Let's, let's get both of them up. Why don't we just say, I'm, gonna, I'm taking these things that are weighing in my soul right now. It's kind of robbing me of energy and creativity, and it's robbing me of peace, and it's robbing me of joy. I believe worry is one of the great thieves of life. And I think Jesus said, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. Why don't we just bring those things to God? Could be our children, could be our finances, could be our health, could be an aging parent, could be a wayward kid. It doesn't matter what it is. Maybe you're worried about work, Maybe you feel like you're concerned about your own health. So Father, whatever these issues are, and some of them are significant, we just lift them before you today. We don't want to live in worry and fret. We want to cast our cares on you because we know your word declares to us, you care for us. We are significant. We are your children, and you love us with an everlasting love. And you see what's weighing so heavily on our heart. And now I want to commit these things, Lord, Every heart right now is saying, Lord, I'm bringing this to you. I'm bringing my child to you. I'm bringing my parent to you. I'm bringing the sickness to you. I'm bringing my finances. I'm bringing my relationships to you. Whatever that is, Lord, we just cast them on you. We thank you that you've heard our prayer today. We thank you that you care for us. And Lord, I'm gonna leave it with you. I'm gonna keep seeking your face. I'm gonna keep putting your kingdom first. I'm gonna let you provide whatever I, my need is. I'm gonna let you do it. I'll do my part, but I'm going to let you do your part because I need some heavy lifting, and I just don't have it. But you do, and I thank you for it. I thank you for it today. And now I want my mind to be renewed. So I'm going to focus in on the goodness of God, the grace of God, the love, the mercy, the power of God, the kindnesses of God, the compassion of God. I want to focus my mind on the things that will bring renewal in my life. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you leave.